The title of our message today is Rejected. And as we begin our study today, we need to continually remind ourselves that none of these events that we read about in these scriptures and that took place in Jesus' life were unexpected. God is omniscient. And he knows and he sees all the things that will ever take place. And as I mentioned a moment ago, all at the same moment of time, past, present, and future, the scriptures tell us that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of all things. He's the first cause of all that takes place. And he's the author and he's the perfecter of every matter within this existence, and especially our faith. And no... I personally can't begin to understand those incomprehensible attributes of God. But I, by faith, do believe all those things are true. All these things that we read. Why is it so? It's because I know that these scriptures are the very breath of God. They are holy truths that have been breathed onto the pages of this Bible. By Him. By God. And I believe Him. And while as the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, might not have brought all of His omniscience with Him when He was born into human flesh, He was so filled with the Holy Spirit that His knowledge and His understanding of the people and of the events that He encountered were still so far and beyond anything that we can imagine or comprehend. And so, here in these words that we're about to read today we find that while some people really were looking forward to Jesus coming to them as the Messiah, there were many others who did not believe him. And they would begin to reject him. So much so that Jesus would later say this in Matthew chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Folks, those are some of the saddest words that I know of in these scriptures. There are few who find that narrow gate. Listen and follow along as I read some of the beginning events of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And take note how... Those doubts and those uncertainties were taking place in the hearts of those who would hear Jesus on this day early in his ministry. I'm going to read for us beginning in verse 14 in Luke chapter 4. Verse 14, Luke chapter 4. Now this is just after Jesus had come out of the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and then these three massive temptations that he endured. And then these words. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, 
to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began saying to them, Today, these scriptures are fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what you have done in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. Now as we read these words, it seems clear that many of the people in the synagogue that day, they were at first very receptive to Jesus and to his teaching. But then some begin to ask, isn't this Joseph's son? The skepticism starts. Isn't this Joseph's son? Though they didn't say it, they were implying he grew up right in amongst us here in this small town and he came to this synagogue every week. In Jesus' abilities that he brought with him from heaven, he was able to perceive doubts and uncertainty within some of their minds. And it prompted him to say, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Folks, the words that Jesus spoke to the people that day, they were truly very difficult words for many of the Jews of that day. Because within his words... Jesus was clearly and plainly making a very bold statement about himself. He was declaring to these people that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the one whom Isaiah had prophesied about in these very words that he had just read. And Jesus clearly knew that it would be very difficult for some of them to accept his claims and that they would begin almost immediately to reject him. Imagine for a moment, that you and I were sitting there in that synagogue that day. And this man, this ordinary man, someone they knew, suddenly declares himself to be the one that Isaiah had written about, the Messiah, the Son of God. May I read those words again? Isaiah's words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, prophesying about the Lord Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, yes, those people then, and even you and I now, if we would have been there, would have wanted His declaration to be true that he truly was the Messiah that they had been waiting for for so long, that was coming to save their souls. But folks, I confess that I might have also had some of those same doubts, some of those same uncertainties about Jesus. It's not an easy thing to reconcile within our minds that Jesus was an ordinary person like you and me, but he was also God. It's not an easy thing for us to understand that kind of mystery. Now, I must confess that even now, such things as that are still a mystery to me. Though by faith, I do believe that these truths given to us in these scriptures, 
that they are true, absolutely true. I still have difficulty separating out Jesus' condition of being fully God while at the same time being fully human. But again, by faith, I do accept the simple truth that yes, Jesus truly was and is the Son of God. He is fully God, no less God than God the Father, but at the same time, He was also the Son of Man, fully man, no less man than you and me. You and I will probably never fully understand that special paradox that was taking place within Jesus' soul. It was truly unique to Him and to no one else. But we can believe that He really did experience the events of this life much in the same way as each of us does because we see it in these scriptures. We see some places where it's referred to him as being hungry, being tired. We're especially reminded of his humanity with the verse that tells us that he was tempted in all ways just as we are, yet without sin. Now let me also hesitate here and remind us that yes, the temptations that we have been studying about recently really did take place in Jesus' life. Temptations that were very personal and intimate to his soul. Too often, the liberal preachers of our days will insist that events like these were not really real, that they were just intended as an object lesson for us to follow. But folks, that is not true. That is not true. These temptations really did take place in Jesus' life. Temptations that were very personal and very intimate to his soul. These words of scripture are truth. Breathed out of the mouth of God. But with all that being said, we know that these temptations and Jesus' responses were also given here as a special witness, a testimony, to say to you and to me that most assuredly, temptations much like those that he suffered will also come to each one of us. In different forms, yes. In different ways, yes. But they will surely, they will surely come to you and me. And yes, they will be very, very real. And also with a very real demon tempting us. Just as Satan tempted. We can't imagine that. But folks, let me assure you, it takes place every day in each of our lives. And no, as we do now, we'll probably never be able to recognize them as demons. They may be in the form of a person. Sometimes, even in the form of a friend. We know that when Jesus had to turn to Peter, his closest friend, and say to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Temptations will often come in the form of a friend. And they are very real. And we will need to deal with those temptations very much in the same way that Jesus did. As much as is possible for us, we do need to prepare ourselves ahead of time. Now, thinking through some of the obvious weaknesses and vulnerabilities that we know exist within our own souls. Do you know where you are the weakest towards sin, towards temptation? You and I need to be able to recognize those weaknesses, those vulnerabilities. And as much as we possibly can, we need to settle those temptations, those matters within our mind and our soul ahead of time. We must not allow ourselves to be surprised by them. 
We need to deal with them ahead of time with pre-planned, prepared answers and responses. That was what Jesus did. And it needs to be so with you and me. Folks, known weaknesses to temptations, when we leave them unattended, they can eat away slowly at our resolve and can eventually lead to our defeat. Simply put, it's good for you and me just to face our temptations head on, to deal with them in a full and complete way. And then we can move on to the life and to the purposes that God has called us to be about each day. I'd like to suggest also that once we have properly dealt with a temptation, that we place reminders in our path to give us warnings against venturing back into those same old temptations. We spoke in another message recently about recidivism. We talk about that in areas of crime and habits, drug addiction in our society today, where we fall right back into the same old habits and sins that had captivated us before. So the Lord is saying to us, once you settle with those temptations, you need to put something in your path to remind you not to go back into that again. That was the example that God gave to us in the life of Joshua and the children of Israel. As God parted the waters for them to cross over the Jordan into the promised land, God had them pick up stones and carry them to the other side and to place them there as a memorial, as a reminder, so that in future days when they might be discouraged and even have their backs pushed to the wall, they would see these stones and be reminded that they had come out of that wilderness and that they must never go back into it again. Two and a half tribes decided to go back. Folks, the thing that they did there by placing those stones as a memorial to remind them, that has to serve as a testimony to you and to me. That as we move on further into our salvation and into the plans that God has for us, we must never compromise for a moment. We must never allow ourselves to venture back into that wilderness that we lived in while we were unsaved. Now, yes, in some ways, that wilderness, that lifestyle was comfortable to us. We knew it and we knew what to expect from it. But it was wrong. It was not righteous. And it did not have the sweet promises that our salvation has to offer so you and i must never allow ourselves to go back to that old way of life because it will destroy us and it will destroy our families and everything that we hold dear how many times have you seen that take place and folks the shortest distance to get on into the life that god wants for us to go into is to go straight through the temptations face our battles head on and then move on not try to think of a way around it we need to go straight through those temptations head on and once we have put our hand to the plow the lord tells us we must never never look back i have no doubt that the rejection that jesus perceived was taking place there in those first days of his ministry it was simply another form of temptation a temptation that Jesus would need to endure 
He was being tempted to give up right at the first of his entry into his ministry as he experienced this beginning rejection by these obstinate people that he had come to seek and to save. He was being tempted again. But praise be to God, Jesus did not give in to those temptations. Now, one other reminder and even a warning, and it's pointed out for us here in this response that Jesus received as he stepped forward into his ministry. You and I must understand that this world around us and even some of our closest friends and relatives, they'll not be on our side. These people in the synagogue that day, they knew Jesus well. They were family friends. And as we step forward into the ministry that God would have us to do, not everyone's going to be on our side. They'll often not be helpful to us. They may instead in some ways be against us. Jesus understood that reality for himself. And you and I must understand it for ourselves. Jesus had no preconceived notions of people flocking to him to receive the good news that he would bring to them. Yes, many would come to him, but for the most part, and especially with the Jews, he was despised and he was rejected. These scriptures clearly tell us that he came to his own, but his own received him not. And again, folks, though it's hard for us to comprehend, Jesus actually wrote these very words about himself over 700 years earlier through the mind and through the hands of the prophet Isaiah. It's a hard concept to understand. But Jesus himself is the word. He's the spoken word of God. He's the one that spoke these words into these scriptures. And so Jesus actually spoke these words about himself 700 years earlier into the mind and onto the hands of the prophet Isaiah. And so he wrote these words in Isaiah 53. He said, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. These words clearly describe the blessed Lord Jesus as he came to us and to those People in that day freely offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. But unfortunately, most people then and even now have despised and rejected him. I'm also reminded that as Isaiah himself surrendered his own heart to God, you might recall in Isaiah chapter 6, as he surrendered his heart to God, God offered him a very special opportunity for ministry. Listen, because just as with the Lord Jesus, Isaiah would also be rejected. Listen to these words, what God said to Isaiah about his mission and his calling. He said, as God said this, Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, 
but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull and their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Just like with Jesus, Isaiah would go out and he would preach the gospel to the people of his day. But they wouldn't listen to him. And God said they won't listen to you. But he was willing to go forward and to preach the gospel, even though he knew the people would reject him. Now, in many ways, that prophecy about Isaiah was a word picture of the ministry that's prophesied for the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus would also come and give everything that he had so that men and women like you and me, might be saved. But yet, he was despised and he was rejected, first then by his own people. But even now, how many people in our day are in church today praising and worshiping the Lord Jesus? Folks, in rejecting Christ, they are rejecting his great gift of salvation. Here in our scripture passage, Jesus knew well that this rejection was soon to take place in his own ministry. And he knew the thoughts of those who were gathered around him that day there in the synagogue. So he said to them, Surely you will quote the proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. This is skepticism. And then Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. The reading of these simple words is not always clearly understood by us readers. But what Jesus was saying here to them and consequently to you and me is that yes, many, many will at first be enamored and astonished at his words. But then when it is fully realized what the message and the requirements of the gospel are declaring, people will begin then to fall away and to reject both him and his message. It'll be just as the prophet Isaiah had foretold. Most people would eventually turn away from the Lord Jesus and return back into their old ways of sin. That rejection was beginning to take place here in these very words of this text. And then it would quickly spread. And sadly, that same rejection of the Lord Jesus is still taking place all around you and me today. Many people today will hear the sweet words of the gospel and they will earnestly go forward in an altar call and seemingly accept all that the gospel promises. But as we're told there in the parable of the soils, when the pressures of this life are confronted by the truths of the gospel, there's a choice. Do I like my old ways? Do I love my old ways? Or will I give them up? For the sake of Christ. And as we're told there in the parable of the soils. When the pressures of this life. Are confronted by the truths of the gospel. Many do turn back. And they choose to do as some of the tribes there in Israel. Chose to do in Joshua's day. They return to the sufferings. Of that awful wilderness. That they just came out of. They don't seem to realize. At the moment. That they're rejecting him that they're rejecting a far better enjoyment of life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, all of the goodness of God that the Holy Spirit has to offer. And giving it up in favor of 
those old miseries of their old sins like lying and stealing and unfaithfulness, arguing. Bitter spirits. Bitter spirits are rampant today. And folks, there's a very special warning being given in these words of the prophecy of Isaiah. It's a warning that tells us that when men and women do exhibit a a resistance to the salvation that Jesus offers, He then allows their hearts and their minds to become dull of hearing, causing them to move even deeper and deeper into their sinfulness. And as they reject Him more and more, then He gives them over more and more to the desires and the lusts of their flesh. Now, why would that be so? Why would that be so? It's as I said at the first part of this message. It's because God does not want a half-hearted commitment from you and me. He wants our whole heart. He wants us to love Him with our whole heart. And He desires to separate out a people for Himself. A people who are fully and utterly surrendered to Him. So my question for each of us today as we close. In which group are we choosing to be a part of? It is a choice. It is a choice that we will make one way or the other. We might not openly despise or reject Christ or even believe that we could do such a thing. We might instead simply choose other things over Him, choose to be somewhere else rather than worshiping Him. But whether we openly reject Him or we just quietly turn away from Him. We've done the same thing. We have done the same thing. And we will surely, surely wilt away in our sin and in our guilt. Folks, may we instead give our whole heart to the Lord Jesus. And may we do as these words in Hebrews 12 tells us. To fix our eyes on Jesus. The author And the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray.